Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. To get the Crime Writers on After Show right now, go to patreon.com slash partners in crime media. I'm Rebecca Lavoie, and this is Crime Writers On. Crime Writers On is the original true crime review podcast that digs in at true crime, pop culture, other podcasts. And on this episode, it seemed like a miracle weight loss drug, but it was killing people. How are people getting their hands on a substance supposedly banned for human consumption? Review the podcast one click from C13 Originals. Joining me to get that done and more is true crime author, TV journalist, and host of the These Are Their Stories podcast, my husband, Kevin Flynn. Hello, Kevin. Becca, I got to get uh, to one of these championship baseball games, Umpire. Really? Yeah. I mean, this, we've got, you know, the minors. Like, we got, like, you know, the fourth graders, and then it gets really intense when you get up to the sixth graders, and uh, I'm practicing all my uh, ejection moves. It's it's Yeah, it's rough. Okay, also with us is private investigator, certified pet detective, resident cat lady, and author of Dead on Deadline, Lara Bricker. Hello, Lara. Good evening, Rebecca. And finally, our resident Doubting Thomas, author of the City Trilogy of Novels, host of the Strange Arrivals podcast, and our Patreon Deep Dive Book Club podcast host, Toby Ball. Hello, Toby. Hello, Rebecca. So, Kevin, what is coming up on Monday's podcast? Oh, we're going to be talking about the uh, podcast Fiasco, the AIDS crisis. Oh, wow. Leon Nafok. A Leon Nafok production. Our old friend, Leon. All right. So, Laura, I hear that you won a major award this week. A major award? What happened? Was it a leg lamp? Yes. Oh, it was a leg lamp. Oh, my gosh. That would not have surprised me as much as this award. Um So I was at my son's school graduation, like I go every year. The school is very uh, close community. We always go to the graduation. I always put together a little press release for them. So I'm sitting there typing do to do on my computer, um, like I always am. And they're giving out the parent award, which always goes to a senior parent. And surprise, for the first time ever, it did not go to a senior parent. There was two recipients this year, myself and another mother, Meredith. And it was like breaking, you know, tradition in the school. I almost tipped over. I was quite surprised um, because they call the children up to like hand out bouquets. And I'm like, okay, they're handing out flowers to some senior parent. And they're like, Lara Bricker. And I'm like, (laughs) just kidding. Um, But they weren't. And it was was just so nice. I'm so happy to support the school, but it was something that I was totally not expecting. And then one of the teachers gave me a little shit. And he said, you know, I don't know what what? we're going to. 
He gave me a little shit, one of the teachers, and he said, "Oh, well, you just got flat." I thought he, he actually literally gave you a little shit. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. I thought we were still. I thought we we're doing the Warren Jeffs voice again. Um, but <laughs> 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 Heavenly Father, uh, and he's like, "What are we gonna do now?" You were supposed to get this when your son's a senior. Apparently, we're going to have to make a statue for you now. Nice. So, wow. Ooh. Stay tuned. <laughs> I bet you all the senior parents were pissed. Yes. None I'm of sure us they get, were. We, you this all suck bullshit. so bad. We're skipping over you. Yes. To a freshman parent. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's like, it would be like a senior sports, like awards. We're like a junior got like. Right. <laughs> yeah. So it's like when a sophomore gets the Heisman, right? Yeah. 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 It was like a whole thing. And I was like, uh, okay. All righty then. That's so. wonderful. You're congratulations. That's, that's how wonderful a parent you are. I try. All right. Well, congratulations, Laura. And um, Kevin, we have a lot to talk about with our review. So I think we should get to it. What do you think? I'm all behind you, Rebecca. I really don't want to take away from Lara's glory too much, but I'm going to go ahead and drop that first clip right now. Okay. Over to him. And he was kind of, he wasn't looking right at all. He was kind of like, had marks all over him and stuff and like lines of black and blue. And he looked like he was bloated. (laughs) He was, I knew he was dead. Authorities were stumped by the untimely deaths of people who had been taking a little-known diet drug. Known as DNP, the chemical helped users shed pounds, all while cooking them alive from the inside. So many intelligent young people have taken this and they've either become seriously ill or, in many cases, have killed themselves. But the compound, which was developed as a World War I explosive, had long been banned for human consumption. How was it turning up on the Internet? Why did those with body dysmorphia want it? And why were authorities slow to take action despite the pleas from families of the victims? Some listeners may be intrigued, may Google DMP, and may believe that they can take it safely. We implore you, don't do it. DNP is a poison that can kill you fast. There's no antidote for it, and the death is unimaginably painful. So why are you still able to buy it? The C-13 original podcast, One Click, is co-hosted by actress Elle Fanning and journalist Jessica Wapner. They dive into the rise of DNP deaths while also exploring the historical pressures on body image that likely fueled victims' desperation to take a risky drug in the name of beauty. Spoiler alert, we are going to be talking about plot points from One Click. So if you want to remain spoiler free, go to the estimated time code in our show notes for our thumbs up or thumbs down reviews. Kevin, I have a question for you. Yes. Why is Elle Fanning on this podcast? Oh, that is a good question. I do believe that part of this, uh, you know, some of the social issues that brought up are something that she advocates about. And I think she might have something to do on the back no, end no. of that. No, no. I mean, no. maybe. I mean, maybe she has something to do with the production company that's going to turn this into like a thing. Isn't it really just that? I mean, to be cynical, Jessica Wapner is a well-known journalist, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Isn't it just that they thought a celebrity would like make more people listen to this podcast? Yeah, I mean, you can, I guess, make that argument. If you're going to compare like Elle Fanning's performance to Donnie Wahlberg's in Very Scary People, for example, I'd say that Elle's presence does have some meaning, you know, as her interest in, you know, this feminist issue, uh, the political issue. I guess it's a coin flip whether she's needed 
because we understand that it's Jessica that's doing, you know, the legwork. The reporting, doing the reporting yeah. on it. And when it's Jessica narrating, it's, you know, it's fine. Maybe the way to say it is that Elle's presence and her narration doesn't take away from the series, doesn't really feel like a stunt to me. I actually think she does a pretty good job, you know, as the narrator. And to have them both go back and forth, I you know, I think it's fine. Could it have just been Jessica? Jessica Could it have just been Elle? Yes. Yeah. And yes. Uh, that being said, like, they didn't use her well. She had one little story about going to ballet class and being self-conscious. But, like, if you're going to use her, use her, right? In ballet class, there came a time where I was no longer comfortable wearing just a leotard and tights. I had become self-conscious of my widening hips, so I added a skirt. And I remember wishing so much to be one of the girls with more slender hips who didn't need to hide themselves. Yes, and, and that was my thing. And there's like... I'm involved in this podcast and you're going to find out why. And then I'm like, um, why? Okay. I didn't really find out why. I feel like that was a bit of a bait and switch. But you're trying to raise awareness about diet culture and the dangers of diet culture. And you have somebody that is sort of an icon to a demographic that is probably more vulnerable to diet culture yes. than some of us. And I think you had an opportunity there to, even if she didn't have a personal story, let's just make her personal story a little more interesting as to why she's involved in this podcast to perhaps influence some of the people listening to this that might be listening to it because of her to perhaps shift some of the thinking and the dialogue and the societal sort of influences around this issue. I totally agree. And I just didn't feel like I ever got something that was like, oh, that's why she's involved. It was more like, well, I thought I might do a podcast. I totally agree. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of the Molly Bloom podcast we listened to. Torch. Right. Yeah. So Molly Bloom podcast was like it was Molly Bloom doing stuff. And I feel like it's like a trick that they used Molly Bloom, but then they actually used her. Mm-hmm. Right. Like they could have used Elf. I mean, obviously, Jessica Wapner did the reporting, but they could have used Elf Fanning in some way, like had her do something other than just read rap text. You yes. know what I mean? And like, even if the rap text was better instead of having her say things like society says we have to be thin like uh like <laughs> like there's more that you could have done with Who that is society and do i know him am i society uh, uh anyway my, my sense was that this whole podcast was aimed at a slightly different demographic than most of the podcasts we review are and i thought her being involved in that was mostly to appeal mm to a different demographic to have people who don't normally listen to this kind of podcast like listen to it because she was on it like that was the best i could do because quite honestly i lost track of like which one of them was talking which i think is kind of credit to the reporter for being able to you know do that kind of narration as well as a professional actress um but then why did we need Elle fanning if jessica wapner is so good at this like again i think it's just to attract a different a different population yeah. who if it's jessica wapner would be like uh okay whatever but when it's Elle fanning it's like oh well maybe i'll check this out yeah I mean, Jessica Wapner, by the way, I've booked Jessica Wapner myself on things that I've produced. Like, she's great. She's a Mm -hmm. well-known reporter. Um, Kevin, I have one question for you. Yeah. Were you concerned as you were listening to this? I will just say I was. This drug is terrifying and it kills people. That this podcast might also get people who are desperate about losing weight to perhaps look up this drug and maybe try to obtain it. Oh, yeah. The lore is really powerful, isn't it? I mean... They keep it's, saying it works. Oh, they keep saying it works. Look, this is maybe By the way, it's le- not the podcast fault. Like, no, I was going to say it's it probably less does, about yeah. the yeah. podcast than it is about how 
our brains work and how as humans, you know, this is appealing. The idea of get rich quick, get thin quick, you know, it's the same thing. It's a little bit like suicidal ideation that when you start talking about it, sort of that uh, call of the void kind of thing where you wouldn't have thought about it before, but now it kind of gets stuck in your head. I mean, I was like, well, uh, why don't they just like use half the dosage? And then, you know, like, well, I might try that. And it is such a powerful lore. And I will tell you that I don't have body dysmorphia, but I can imagine that for those who do to hear this, you know, they're nodding along about, yeah, that's really bad. And, you know, if they're like me, then they're like also thinking, but... Well, I don't know. It's it does. What if it's I took a quarter of a pill? Yeah, it's like it's too bad because boy, that really works. I would imagine that it's very difficult, you know, for them to listen to this and not be tempted to find out more. There was one character in the, I mean, one of the victims in the story, Carla, who was described as the daughter of the woman who ended up becoming the Crusader, and mm. you know, she was a very athletic person, and then she started taking a medication that made her gain a bunch of weight, and she went from being like a, you know. 100 whatever pound person to like she get 100 pounds uh-huh. very similar to my own situation where you like feel crazy you don't know what's wrong with you and that's why she went on the drug like i relate to that no one can help you you know it's not you and like you're just doing what you used to do and whatever i strongly relate to that and i can't tell you for sure that if somebody like in my very very highest moment of desperation had said to me hey there's this thing that if you do it wrong has a small chance of killing you, but it super works if you don't do it wrong. I can't 100% tell you that I may not have been like, well, maybe, I don't know. I mean, I'm just- Tell me more. What, what if they told you it was used as an explosive in well, World War I? Well, there's that. That's the thing. I'm not saying I would have. I'm saying I would have had that thought. You understand I, the way I'm, that works. I'm yeah, saying in your brain. I understand the way that it works, and I'm saying that this is now like, you know, a thing that's in my mind, which means that when I listen to this, I'm like, are we also sharing it? Laura, but this thing is like the drug is horrifying, right? It, it is horrifying. And, and and I'll get to that. But it reminds me of like, I like right after college, I had a roommate who was always doing like some fad diet. And, and she went through this like hydroxy cut phase. Oh, God. And I was like, oh, and she's like hydroxy cut. And she was doing all this stuff. And I was like, that's not good for you. And she's like, no, no, it's great. And so when I'm listening to this, I can relate to it in that I know people that have struggled with body image and wanting to fit the stereotype of what they feel like they should look like. But I want to say, then when I listen to this, this is like a freaking Stephen King horror Mm. show. Yes. Like, you are being burned from the inside cooked. out, like cooked from the inside out. Like there is actually a Stephen King slimmer or slender or whatever that slimmer. one is. Thinner. Where they, Thinner. The person keeps getting littler and littler. Slenderer. Whatever it is. I don't know. But I'm just saying, listening to this is like you hear about this and you hear that it's like the heat and that this chemical, like you were saying, that was once used in like World War One era explosives. Now it's sold online as a diet drug, and it basically turns your body into a freaking furnace. I have never seen any kind of death similar to this one in the over 15 years I've been a nurse. The temperature rise continuing after death is something I'll never forget. It is absolutely freaking horrific. It just signals the point to which, as a society, we have all been so sucked into this vision of what we think we should look like, that we will do anything, 
including being a fucking furnace even after we die. I mean, I'm like, oh, okay. So if you happen to die while you're out in the wilderness with your friends, oh, great. They can like huddle around you like a little campfire. That's fucking disturbing. And the fact that people are still taking this, and like all you have to do is Google the shit and you're going to see what happens and how it's like illegal in the UK and people are still getting it. But no, I think we have to get to like the root of why we feel like this is an option. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. All right, Kevin, I think it's time for you to do that thing that our dogs do and do your business. Oh, my God. <laughs> that is so unappealing. Yeah, but it's time. I just like walk in a circle. <laughs> and do some business. It's time for our business section. Yeah, so if you join us on Patreon, go to patreon.com slash partners in crime media. That's the address. You can get almost 300 exclusive podcasts, including the Crime Writers on After Show, Toby Ball's Deep Dive Book Club podcast, Leave It to Bricker, and the latest episode of Married with Podcasts, where Rebecca and I give out advice. On this episode, we answer a question from Ellen. She has uh, one son who just had a baby, and one son who uh, he and his wife just lost one, and she's looking for a way for emotional balance. It's really hard. Very hard question there, but uh, this is what we deal with on uh, Mary With Podcast, and we, sh- we should say, even if you're not on Patreon, we'd love for you to join our Facebook group for Mary With Podcast. It's called Mary With Podcast. Let's discuss. Let's discuss. We'll let you in. You can ask your own question, or you can give advice to the people who are throwing questions there. It's a really great Some of them form. are intense. Some of them are absurd. Some of them are absurd, yes. <laughs> yeah. Also want to let you know that we've got the, the newest episode of These Are the Stories Are Out. This time we're looking at a classic Law & Order episode from The Mothership, uh, season 12, episode one, Who Let the Dogs Out? Yes, with a great guest. Our great guest is comedian Brandy Brown. A woman is mauled by a mad dog in Central Park. Yep. And uh, Briscoe and Green try to track down what happened. Murderous dog. That murderous dog, yes. All right, so Kevin, before we wrap up this business section, do we have any Patreon patron saints of the week this week? Our Patreon patron saints are Amanda Perino and Suzanne Serretta. Suzanne Serretta, one of our favorite people. Yes, Suzanne is going through her challenges, and we are standing right beside her. She's one of our favorite folks. 
Suzanne is our accent guru. You'll yes. remember she came on and tried to teach us all that Philadelphia accent from yes. Mayor of Easttown. Yes, Don't- Pittsburgh. Don't put water in my dirter. My water. Well, she's going doing her audition. <laughs> I don't know. It was really. Well, tough. that was it. It was the audition. The yes. audition. Yes. Water. Uh, look, she's great. She's one she's of our favorites. Trying to solve murder. She's trying to solve in the dirter. So good luck, Suzanne, and your uh, handsome fiance Olivier. Philadelphia. Which Re- Rebecca is going to try? Oh, to her st- fiance Olivier. <sighs> I know. He is gorgeous. The only one she'll ever leave me for. <laughs> Is Olivier. <laughs> so anyway, patron saints, and we love Amanda too. Just we haven't known you as long as, as Amanda, Suzanne. Amanda, until yeah. we hang out with you in person and have a drink with you, like we have with Suzanne, you know, you'll always be wonderful. But Suzanne, we've had we we plinked glasses with Suzanne. Yeah, so that might happen. Who knows? So uh, I forgot to say this. Bless you. Bless you. Anyway, thanks for supporting us on Patreon as always, and thanks for supporting our business section. And Kevin, does thus end it? Thus ends the business section. I'm going to go ahead and fade that music out right now. So, Chubby, let's talk about the DNP itself. How do you feel about that chemical, the fact that people are putting it in their bodies, the history of it, and just how it came to be a thing that one would seek and consume? I think it sucks. Um, first of all, I might have missed it. Do they talk about how many people actually do this or how big the trade is in this? I you don't know, think it's known. I mean, it right? wasn't really clear, nor was it clear as far as how many fatalities. Yeah. So I just didn't know. Like, I didn't have much of a sense of what the scope of this is and whether this was in and of itself with some kind of scourge or whether this was like a stand in for like a larger group of dangerous sort of diet drugs that people use or you know exactly where we're going with this so that was one thing to me this seemed like a four episode podcast right Mm. i kind of felt like the first episode was interesting kind of gets you you know orients you to what's going on gives you some stories that that are are pretty compelling about people who are using it and and then episodes five to seven were again we're kind of getting back to this sort of What's the story with DNP? Here are some things that happened. Here are the reactions to it. This is kind of what's been trying to be done. And then the rest of it seemed to me to be going over stuff that I felt like I've had kind of like exposure to again and again and again and again. Things about like the changing idea of what is beauty within society, how that changes from, you know, society to society and from different eras within societies. There is stuff about how the internet isn't good for people who have body dysmorphia or other problems with the way they look or insecurities. There's stuff about how it's hard to regulate the internet and like you can't control what you find and all this stuff. So anyway, I felt like all that stuff seemed a lot like padding and was stuff that I'd heard of before in sort of more compelling ways. And I kind of felt like it detracted from what was otherwise a a pretty interesting and horrifying story. And they target this one guy who's been selling it. And I, I don't know if he knew at the time how dangerous it was. I assume that he did, but it seems as though he didn't connect the human toll with his actions. And I I feel like, you know, it's always easy to be like, oh, you know, I'm so sorry. I wish I could take your pain when it's afterwards. But in this case, it did seem to me, and maybe I'm a sucker, but that he was genuinely hadn't really put together two plus two, sort of the effects of what his actions would be. 
so anyway, I, I kind of felt there was just way more in this than I needed to know. And I think they could have really sort of shaved it down and had kind of a tight, short podcast that would have been pretty compelling all the way through. Yeah, Toby, you brought up the question about sort of the scope of it. And on the other yep. end, I was like, okay, well, there are, you know, fatalities associated with this. But I didn't really get a sense that, you know, other than the, I don't know how many were in, involved in that court case. I mean, fewer than half a dozen, right? Uh, unless I'm wrong. Yeah. It doesn't seem like compared to other pharmaceuticals. You're not helping with the people not well, no, like, well, looking well, this up on finish. the internet situation. Let me, no, no, no. Let me finish. See, I don't think that's the point, though. I don't yeah. think that it needs to be like you have to have as many deaths as opioids. Yeah. Or you have to like compare this to how many people have adverse reactions to their own birth control or, or, or something, right? I think that the point is just that this shouldn't even be here, right? Yes, You're yes. not talking about pharmaceuticals that get misused or that aren't completely understood or, or whatever. You're putting a thing in your body that can explode. That, right. That Literally. Is, yeah, that is banned for human consumption or as one of the episodes says banned from human consumption literally I, I, you could put this and it, it literally could explode when it's in the mail on the way to you yeah yeah <laughs> remember that that was a whole thing yeah. where like it they have to ship it wet so it won't explode yeah. and then like some people were drying it out in <laughs> try it out in an oven <laughs> yeah, yeah. that's a good idea sometimes when you put things that are explodable in an oven they can explode yeah Try yeah. them out and heat them up. Just put them in the microwave. It'll be fine. This is like a freaking episode of Breaking Bad. Like they're going to be like getting this stuff in like an RV in the desert <laughs> in the next episode. Laura, you sent me a, a, a funny note, a weird note about um, the websites constantly changing. You were scammed by a website that was constantly changing at one point in your life. I was. Yeah. So at one point, my friend, one of my friends, Susan, called me and she's like, Laura, oh, my God. The Keen Factory outlet is having a sale. The shoes? And you need to, yes. And she's like, and you need to go online and, and get the Keen shoes. And I was like, oh, my God, I love the Keen shoes. And like I went on before I even researched it because she was like, Laura, no, my brother who's in the military sent it to me. It's legit. You need to go on now. It's going to be done soon. You need to go on the Keen outlet. And so I went on and I like ordered some Keen shoes and then – I was like, something seems a little weird at <laughs> the end. And then I was like, shit. And then, surprise, I never got my Keen shoes. So I went online and I looked and the website had been like shut down and changed. But I ended up like screenshotting a bunch of stuff. And I went to the cops and I was all fired up. And the cops came out and they're like, ah, oh, here she comes again, Laura Bricker. And I was like, no. Here she like, comes again. Yeah. I'm like, you got to shut this shit down. It's, it's fraud because my credit card wouldn't refund me because they said, well, no, you willingly bought it. I said, yes, but it was a fake website. And they're like, mm, tough shit. Um, we're not going to refund you the money. So I went to the cops and they said, oh my gosh, like basically like this happens all the time with companies setting up fake websites that are like one numeral or letter off from the actual website. Yeah, they're website. not companies doing it, Laura. Yeah. Uh, they're scammers. Yes, yes. They were like, it happens all the time. We send it to the FBI. Um, they're the ones who have jurisdiction, but they are super busy because so many of these come their way and there's like basically no way they can keep up. Yeah. I'm sorry you got scammed, Laura, but at least you didn't put an explosive in your body. I didn't, one. and I lost like 100 bucks, which in the grand scheme of life wasn't that much, but I was so fired up for months. I was like fighting the credit card company. I was like, it's a scam. And they're like, no, you, you charged it willingly. And I'm like, but it's fake. Well, that's why you should have an American Express because they were taking the company yes. for you. So, Kevin, so you one thing that you pointed out to me, which I thought was interesting and I didn't think a lot about, 
was the fact that this podcast focused so much on men. Not so much, but that it actually no. included men. No, but yeah. it did. It focused actually a lot on men, which is something that I didn't think a lot about. And, you know, you pointed out to me that that made a difference for you. I think if you were to say, hey, we're going to do uh, a podcast that touches on diet culture and, you know, the, the quest to uh, obtain beauty, that you would suspect that a lot of it is going to be focused on, on women. And it obviously was, but it also brought in this segment of men who also suffer from body dysmorphia. And you typically don't think of that, or at least I, I hadn't. And the idea that, you know, bodybuilders, predominantly men, not all of them, there, there are bodybuilders out there, bigorexia, which was a, a term I hadn't heard, and the way that they are using diet pills to melt away the fat so that the muscles look more sharp, you know, that, that kind of thing. I didn't know much about it. This guy literally was probably 15% body fat, couldn't see one ab on him. I saw him at the gym two days after he started taking DNP, and he had a shredded six-pack. And also, just men who are, are large can also have body dysmorphia. They want to look thinner. And I just thought, like, sometimes it is important to identify something as a woman's problem, quote-unquote woman's problem, because sometimes it is, it's empowering to women to claim it like that. But also sometimes there are advantages to demonstrating that it's an all-gender problem, right? Yeah. It takes away like the, well, because sometimes, though, know, it's a woman's problem. You we, can didn't, also just, we didn't recognize yeah. eating disorder in our own family because it was a boy. And he's right. like, he'd be very comfortable us, us telling you, one of our own kids had an eating disorder in high school. And he's like, why didn't you guys notice it? I was super skinny and I was fainting all the time. And it's like, oh, yeah, because you were a boy. That's why we didn't notice it. Yeah. It's embarrassing, but it's true. I actually like that about the podcast, too. And I love the roommate's testimonial yeah. about sort of how he, he created the fake Facebook accounts to compliment his own body online, which right. is classic eating disorder behavior, right? Right. But I will also point out that in the history of DMP, the way it comes back is not through cosmetics and, and fad diet stuff. It comes back to the bodybuilding community where you get two bad dudes who meet in prison, of course, and then concoct this idea to bring the DNP back in. And once people in one community finds out like how great it is, obviously other people are going to are going to find out. Yeah. So, Laura, one quick question. Speaking of uh, body dysmorphia and eating disorders, were you surprised to hear about the thriving culture of pro anorexia forums and eating disorder online culture that still exists and is really thriving on the Internet? I mean, I know I've seen it. Instagram, uh, Reddit all of the online culture around eating disorders that, I mean, honestly, it is, it's real. And I will say, if anyone thinks this is fringe, if you are participating in something like fasting, if you're participating in something like what you think is clean eating and you've got a forum around it, if you're participating in something like uh, some sort of program, which seems mainstream to you, you are also participating in one of these. I don't want to shame you, but I just want you to think about it. I mean, that's it's it's really not that di the different. Yeah. I mean, I guess I thought that I was somewhat aware and educated around like anorexia and bulimia. I knew people in college. I had people living in the place that I lived in college who had eating disorders. But I think what really sort of threw me for a loop in listening to this part about anorexia was the way that it was described as like the personality, the goddess, like 
we do this for her and she says this and she says that. And like, I was like, oh, like that was like a whole nother level that I didn't realize existed and sort of assigning almost a human goddess-like quality to the idea of subscribing to an anorexic lifestyle and starving yourself in a way that kind of personified it and glamorized it. Should I be in such a weakened state and I should cave? I will feel guilty and punish myself accordingly, for I have failed her. I will devote myself to Anna. She will be with me wherever I go, keeping me in line. It was pretty enlightening, and boy, um, there's a long road ahead to change the culture that has contributed to this becoming so just ingrained in our society that that is, I mean, I mean, God, I know. I mean, when I had the COVID and I was sitting around on social media every day, all day, I was watching a lot of stupid shit online. And uh, when I finally got back out, like some of my friends like, my God, you look like good. And I was like, well, I was watching like makeup videos on Instagram. Like I learned how to do my makeup in like a different way. And, and it was kind of funny. And they were all like, ha ha ha, like Bricker learned how to do her makeup. How funny. But I'm thinking as I'm listening to this podcast, like, there's other people that are on Instagram all day that are doing things that are a lot more damaging to their psyche and their health and their mental health than just like learning, oh, hey, you can put your like complexion cream on with a brush, which, you know, yeah. um, I found it educational. I also found it like sad to listen to the lengths to which that is just part of the marketing that is out there. I'll just say one thing is that um, a lot of, I mean, this is definitely also sort of relegated to like teenagedom. Like this is a thing about body dysmorphia and like that culture. And it's sort of like teenage girls, young girls. I will say this is very much a part of adult culture as well. It just the, has different. The first victim here is, was 47. Yeah. It has very different packaging in adult culture. The diet culture game in adult packaging though is branded in a way that is incredibly acceptable. And right now, the big diet thing that is in the world is fasting. Intermittent fasting is the diet thing. And there are challenges around intermittent fasting online. It's like the two-day, three-day, the one-day, five-day. And there are forums about it, and there are Reddit discussions about it, and there are Twitter threads about it. And it is touted as an acceptable, healthy, human way of being that is considered to be not an eating disorder it is starvation it is you're you are not eating and if that is different than an eating disorder in some way it isn't it just isn't and i, I encourage by the way anybody listening to this podcast right now who wants to challenge me on this subscribe to a podcast called maintenance phase hosted by michael hobbs it will change your life it has changed my life as somebody who has struggled with weight and didn't think I had eating disorders my whole life and realized now that I do and I'm now at a very comfortable place in my life with my weight and my health. Subscribe to Maintenance Phase. It will change your life. I'm not going to preach anymore on that. Uh, Toby, you agree with me. Maintenance Phase. Great podcast, right? Yeah, I was, gonna, I was actually going to mention that when we summed up at the end. It covers some of the stuff that gets kind of touched on here. In a smart way. Yeah, it's smart. It's insightful. They, they choose really interesting topics. Uh, it, it can be funny. Yeah. It basically makes you realize that 
any plan is an eating disorder. <laughs> well, is- it is. And I have to tell you, there's a new, um, I have a new office mate in the office next to me at the headquarters of Lara Bricker. And it's a women's health practice. And the nurse practitioner there, what I really loved when I went in over and chatted with her and got to know her um, when they had their little open house is that she was doing something that I think more doctors are doing. It's called health at every size. And it's saying like, you know, when you go to the doctor and they're like, oh, your BMI is like 28. You're BMI is bullshit obese. as you learn on maintenance and <laughs> Yeah. And she's like, you know what? Hey, I don't tell you, hey, you need to lose weight. Hey, you need to go on a diet. She said, because 95% of diets fail. And as a medical professional, why would you knowingly tell your patient to do something you know is going to fail? So she's like, we look at like actual markers of your health and not like this whole BMI nonsense and like how much do you weigh and like all that stuff. It's like, how are you feeling? Can you walk down the street? Can you do this? Can you do that? And and so I was sort of encouraged to see that some medical professionals are changing how they coach people and interact with their their patients around this topic. And you know what I mean? Because like, I remember going to my doctor and he'd be like, well, you know, this is what the BMI. And I'm like, you know what? Whatever. I think it helps normalize healthy eating and healthy lifestyle when you have a medical professional that's going to be like, yeah, no, dieting is freaking nonsense in in terms of what we were trained to think of as dieting. Yeah, there are two questions I for me I think were left unanswered. Did they ever mention you know these these retailers who are selling the pills online? Did they ever get to who's manufacturing this? Nope. And where they're getting. The chemicals from? Nope. Because that's another way of choking off the supply is to, you know, find out, you know, what labs are mixing this stuff together. Uh, and the second question, well, I don't know if it's really much of a question, but I kind of wonder, and this is just going to be supposition, that in these cases where people died, if you're talking about people with an illness who it makes them think that I am never skinny enough and I might have just dropped 20 pounds but I still want to go 20 more or whatever. The idea that they would take just one pill a day, if that was the dosage that someone might not go, okay, I got to take two, they would compulsively start playing with that as well, I think is very dangerous. And it might be a contributing factor to those particular deaths. Impossible to say. One of the things seems to be that the guy who was making the capsules, you know, wasn't uniformity in the in the dosage. So yeah. and he was also telling you, you have to take as many as you want. It helps you feel better. Take as so many as you want. Yeah. That phone call with Jessica Wapner. Oh, that was fucking makes you crazy. Relaxed. Helps you feel super relaxed. Can you tell me anything about how it works? Uh, it relieves your stress when you're stressed. It relieves stress from your body. It makes you stop thinking of everything. It makes you feel good. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms, and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. 
VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. All right, well, let's do what we do. Let's let our listeners know, should they check out One Click, the podcast from C13? It's about the diet pill, DNP, that literally cooks you from the inside. Laura Bricker, what do you think? Thumbs up or thumbs down for this podcast? I, I'm going to go thumbs sideways on this podcast. I feel like this is something that people should know about. I feel like there's a lot that needs to be done in terms of changing the dialogue, in terms of how we talk about healthy eating and weight and diet culture. But this podcast was just too long for me in terms of what the message was that they were trying to get across. And it just like lost me in the middle. And I feel like there was a lot of good information that if this has been condensed into like four episodes instead of however many episodes I listened to, it would have been much more effective in terms of getting the message across. There was nothing like inherently wrong with this podcast. It was just slow. It got bogged down. And I think it would have benefited from just packaging it in a little bit different way in terms of how and when the information was presented, because it's fucking horrifying, this drug. It's like something out of a horror movie. And the fact that people are still trying to get their hot little hands on this, oh God, that was a horrible expression for this particular drug, but is horrifying. So I want to see awareness out there. I want the word to get out about how dangerous this is, but I don't think a lot of people are going to stick it through all of these episodes to hear all that information. So thumb sideways for me. Toby Ball. Yeah, I, I just, I don't have a, a clear sense of, is there a plague of the DNP or is it just like a few people use it? I, you know, I never get a sense of the scope of the problem. Anyway, yeah, you know, I'm a thumbs down. I thought there was some interesting stuff in here, but, you know, really, I think it could have been a good two or three episode podcast and, you know, been pretty tight and pretty interesting and kind of made the points it needed to make. There's a lot of time spent on things that I feel like I've gotten lots and lots of other places, generally in ways that were more compelling about like changing ideas of what's beauty and, you know, the the dangers of the internet for people who have uh, self-esteem or body dysmorphia issues and so on and so on and so on. So, yeah, I, I just, it just felt very padded, which is too bad because I thought the parts that were good were pretty good, but there was just too much other stuff. So I'm a thumbs down. Kevin Flynn. I'm going thumbs sideways. I agree with a lot of what Toby is saying, but I don't want to give it a thumbs down. I thought Elle Fanning did a really great job as the co-host, and I thought that Jessica's uh, reporting and her narration as well was very good. We start getting into things like, I think it's, you know, I'm going to start rolling my eyes. Well, we're going to touch the history, and we're going to talk about the societal issues. And But each of those, I thought, was done really well, and I was still interested as they went through that. Sort of after coming back to sort of all that side stuff, the history, when they finally got back in the back end of the series, talking about the prosecutions and the victims and stuff, that felt really padded and went on kind of too long, too many episodes to tell too little new information. And so I kind of lost it there. So I think that structurally it could have been better, but I thought the information was good. But again, I really didn't get a sense of the scope of the problem, although one death from, uh, you know, DNP is too many. 
Yeah, I'm thumbs down on the podcast, thumbs up on the reporting. So I'm thumbs down on the podcast, right? It could have been a good podcast if they had just taken Jessica Wapner's reporting and made a podcast out of it. That was like, like Toby said, three or four episodes. We make a podcast where I work called Document that does like reporting projects that can be two, three or four or five or six episodes. Like if they think about Uncover from the CBC, which is like however many episodes it takes. It could be five. It could be four. It could be six or Reveal from PRX. The fact that this had to be a certain length to fulfill whatever it had to fulfill an ad deal, whatever, although there were no ads in this, um, is what it suffered from, right? The fact that I had to hear a hearing and then an episode about victim impact statements, I was like, dear God, like a lot of padding. Not that the victim impact statements weren't important, but that should not have been two episodes. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it was a poorly structured, poorly laid out, interesting story, if that makes sense. Reporting was interesting podcast poorly done so even though it sounded good a few times so anyway yeah i'm thumbs down on this podcast even though i found some of the information really interesting all right that's gonna do it for us but before we go laura bricker do we have a cat of the week this week our cat of the week comes to us from christine shot and i love this one because it just it was like short and sweet and i think it summed up the epitome of what a Crime Writers on Cat of the Week should be. My cat Figgy is three years old. I adopted her during the first year of the pandemic. She has traveled with me by car between D.C. and Louisiana three or four times now. Wow. When I'm listening to CWO and CWO recommendations, she is keeping an eye out for the fuzz. Unbelievable. A cat can travel in a car. <laughs> it is hysterical. It like sits on the back of this car. It's like sprawled out like looking for the popos. My colleague is about to, to take a move to Montreal for like six weeks and she's bringing her cat and I'm like, your cat's going to move with you? And she's like, whether she likes it or not. And that is a yeah. journey, as you know, putting a cat in the car. All right, Laura Bricker. Obviously, folks can email us their cats of the weeks at crimewriterson at gmail.com. But if they want to tweet them to you, how can they find you on Twitter? They can find me at Laura Bricker. And Toby Ball, if folks want to tweet to you to talk about, I don't know, just about anything, but maybe like UFOs, how can they find you on Twitter? At Toby Ball and H. Kevin Flynn, what about you? I'm at Kevin P. Flynn. And if you want to follow me on Twitter or Instagram, find me at Reb Lavoy. Follow the show on Twitter at Crime Writers On. And please join our incredible community at our official Crime Writers On Facebook group. Support the show at patreon.com slash partners in crime media. You will not regret it. We have like 200 episodes of content back there. Our theme song was composed and performed by Ty Gibbons. Our line editor is the incredible and wonderful Olivia Burdett. The executive producer of this program is Kevin Flynn. That's me. This show was recorded in the Yoga Loft above the bodega in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi studio, otherwise known as Studio C, the closet in our New Hampshire basement where Elle Fanning comes out to read half of our scripts as well. On behalf of all the crime writers, thanks so much for listening. We will catch you later. later. I, don't, I don't want to interrupt Toby and let him get back to his point, but I would like, I, I have a question about that part of it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> We've been doing this for years yeah. together. Uh, okay. Yeah.
partners in crime media. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Mm-hmm.